Hello and welcome to Wrestling at Random. I'm Jeremy Deemer. And I am Adam Summers. You are in Season 5 of Wrestling at Random, where the theme is more wrestling than ever. I feel like so far, if you're listening in linear fashion through Season 5, that has definitely played itself out, whether it be uh, deep cuts from well-known major national wrestling companies or territories that we've never talked about before, all things in between. Here on this week's show, we have a territory that I believe we've seen bits and pieces of in pro wrestling this week. Maybe a match here or there in the bonus feed, but we've never had a full episode of Portland Wrestling Television, and that is what we were tasked with watching, I will say. Uh, by the randomizer this is portland wrestling from 1981 this episode of portland wrestling aired july 25th 1981 Uh, a little bit about the portland territory Uh, as this is our first trip uh, we haven't been to portland but uh, the way the show works is of course we take all the internet's wrestling content we dump it into the randomizer we're talking 19,000 some entries of wrestling content in there. We give, we fire it up, we give it a spin, and the randomizer says, watch this show. We parachute in, and we watch this randomly selected uh, television show, pay-per-view, uh, it could be anything. And here it's an episode of Portland Television, uh, the Portland Territory. Uh, let's go all the way back. Uh, I did some research via Dave Meltzer's Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Herb Owen started promoting wrestling in Oregon in 1925. Their company ran 67 consecutive years, running mostly the same cities every single week. Just imagine that. 67 consecutive years of running the same cities every week and ostensibly getting big enough crowds that you had enough money to come back the next week. That is wild. His son, Don Owen, debuted before the public as the ring announcer for his father's promotion in 1931. He took over as promoter for the territory and promoted all the way through until its final show at the converted bowling alley that he purchased known as the Portland Sports Arena in 1992. With the low ceilings, that sort of... uh... Uh, iconic look if you're familiar with it by the way because i'm overly pedantic and you got it right but i always whenever i hear don owen uh, i always think of how much i judge people based <laughs> on whether they say don owen or don owens yes i know like roy it. shire roy shire same thing i, I just can't get past <laughs> it uh, a copy editor never dies at its financial peak in the late 1970s during the buddy rose versus roddy piper feud It was a strong regional territory that every prelim wrestler in the business wanted to get into because you could get a chance to make a name for yourself in Portland. Buddy Rose's prime in Portland was between 1976 and 1984. We will see Buddy Rose on this show. Uh, He set gate records in virtually every city in the circuit when he feuded with Roddy Piper He was one of the best main event heels in the industry. Rose was so successful in the area, earning in excess of $50,000 per year in the late 1970s, which was big money for a small territory wrestler. He made Portland his home, and he worked most of his career there. 
Besides, we will not see, sadly, Roddy Piper on this not. week's TV show. And man, when I realized watching this show that we were getting Portland wrestling without Roddy Piper, I became concerned. But be, uh, yeah, we did get Rose on the show. We'll get into oh, it we- here. Be, uh, besides working with Piper, uh, one of Buddy Rose's most memorable feuds is with Matt Bourne, which we will see later on in this episode. We will see later on in this episode, and it's also uh, covered in great detail on the Matt Bourne episode of Dark Side of the Ring, which I Highly believe recommend. is uh, season four of that show. Highly recommend just for you know you get a sense of Matt Bourne's state of mind, uh, where Buddy Rose is at, but also they do a real good job of setting the lay of the land of what the Portland Territory was. And like you said, it was a place where guys who maybe couldn't uh, – get to be top guys in other territories would have a chance being higher up the car there uh, and sort of then maybe being able to parlay that into bigger success outside of Portland. This feud with Matt Bourne was extra memorable because in real life, Buddy Rose married Matt Bourne's sister and later divorced her, which was worked into an angle. And this was groundbreaking for pro wrestling at the time. Groundbreaking for pro wrestling at the time. It also led to and fueled legit hardcore real hatred between these two men that they do a great job explaining in detail uh on the uh on the dark side of the ring episode but it does filter through to uh you know how their feud came across on television and the believability of it in the wrestling sense as well because of his physique buddy rose was never pushed during wrestling's national expansion during the time, it was dominated by bodybuilders. And uh, Rose, though, will always hold the distinction of being in the first WrestleMania match ever underneath the go. mask as the executioner losing to Tito Santana in the opening match at WrestleMania in 1985 at Madison Square Garden. Well, we would also know if you listen to this podcast and you've heard a lot of the things we've talked about from the AWA, you would probably know Buddy Rose best outside of being like really a jobber uh, on the WWF side at times from his tag team uh, with Doug Summers yep. as tag team champions there. Your uh, uncle? What's that? Oh, yes. Your uncle, <laughs> no. Doug Summers? <laughs> no, different, completely different spelling. There's an O, there's only one M. <laughs> God, I hate it when te- If you thought I couldn't handle... Uh, uh, Don Owen or Roy Shire uh, misspellings. Just imagine how much I hated when teachers would get my name wrong uh, with that spelling. But no, particularly the, the Buddy Rose, Doug Summers, Midnight Rockers matches uh, in the AWA, some of the best tag team matches of that time period. And probably from an in-ring standpoint, uh, the highlight of Buddy Rose's career. Buddy Rose received a $700 payoff for that WrestleMania match, and he quit the WWF after that uh, because As of that As one payoff. does. Mm-hmm. One of the funniest comedy segments in the history of Saturday Night's main event was when Buddy Rose, who was well over 330 pounds at the time, did a mock diet commercial on the show called the Buddy Rose Blowaway Diet, where he had Tide detergent blown on him and said that the pounds are are just blowing off. Tremendous. It's also crazy when you think about uh, how how, uh, good of a wrestler and character and heel buddy rose was as you just talked about and then adrian adonis as well two guys that did not have uh wwf style physiques but were great professional wrestlers that basically ended up with slight variations on the same character in that company 
Portland Wrestling aired on KPTV Channel 12 in Portland for 38 years. The company's biggest show in history was in 1985, when Don Owen moved out of the 3,000-seat sports arena to the Coliseum for the 60th anniversary of Owen Promotions, selling out 12,000 seats for a Ric Flair versus Billy Jack Haynes main event. Uh, it was... If you want to actually see that match, uh, as as of the time of this recording, it's streaming on Amazon Prime. If you oh, wow. go, if you search for Ric Flair on Amazon Prime, you'll you'll see his lost matches. It's this uh, match against Billy Jack Haynes from Portland. Because it, this is one of the the few uh, prominent uh, tape libraries from this era that the WWE does not own, so it, it sort of finds its way into a bunch of different. Uh, bunch of different tape libraries the other thing we should know about yeah do you Portland, know where most said, of the tapes mo- the most of the surviving tapes were buddy rose's yes. own vhs collection that's yeah a- it's it's it would be a promotion who would be lost to the sands of time like so many other late 70s early 80s uh territories you think of you know roy shire and san francisco other places that uh, honolulu that there isn't a ton of footage of uh, because you know just tape over at the station for the next episode Buddy Rose is the reason why we even, you know, have documentation of, of that era. Also, it's noteworthy that you mentioned the 38 years of uh, of Portland wrestling. Uh, you may see Portland wrestling referenced often by Dave Meltzer on Twitter when shutting down people who say that Raw is in fact the longest running episodic pro or episodic television show in history. He will throw out two shows uh, in the wrestling sphere, one of which is Portland Wrestling, as an example of a rest, of a TV show that was around longer. Yeah, he also makes a note here that uh, this uh, this Ric Flair Billy Jack Haynes match that sold out twelve thousand seats. It was the only crowd of ten thousand fans that uh, that Portland ever drew. Wow. which is crazy to think about. Uh, that they it is run crazy. the big building very often. Yeah, it's, it, you know, like we think about them, like when you talk about territories, you talk about Mid-South, Memphis, Georgia Championship Wrestling, obviously the Northeast with the WWWF, Crockett, all these different things. Portland is referenced as well, but when you dig down into it, uh, like Portland was a much, much smaller. smaller territory. Like it had to be, from what we've seen and uh, the five seasons of doing this podcast and the, 150 episodes at least on the bonus feed it has to be of like territories of consequence not like random mid-georgia championship and stuff like that but territories of consequence it has to be the smallest from sheer uh you know numbers uh in terms of drawing fans obviously they ran consecutively every week but it's, it's a small territory like we mentioned this episode is uh, 1981 july 25th uh, this episode of Port- Portland Wrestling is brought to you by Marv Tompkin Ford and Tom Peterson's Appliance Store. It We're going to hear a lot from them over the course of this. It is brought to you by them to the point to where it feels like a an infomercial for those two things with a wrestling show thrown in to break up the commercials. Yeah, this is what local sponsorship looks like. <laughs> yes, local sponsorship bordering on local ownership it feels like the show opens and we have is it frank donovan or frank bonneman bonneman yes frank Frank bonneman is our ringside host he is our host and he is the most local news guy hosting (laughs) a professional wrestling show of any of these we've talked about how you know like the greats um like lance russell for example that was their background but they were great wrestling announcers 
This guy is a local news uh, institution calling a professional wrestling show. Uh, he, he starts breaking down how the show is going to go. And the first thing I note is something that will take place throughout. Frank likes to just talk about stuff. <laughs> he does. He, he goes on tangents, including at the beginning of the show and throughout talking about how summertime is slow for attendance in a lot of wrestling uh, territories, but not as much so here in Portland. He, uh, he just he has a lot of thoughts that may or may not be relevant to what's happening on this show. Tom Peterson's truckload sale. He's got a 19-inch TV for sale for under $500, and it's got a remote control. 91 channels for 498 1981 American dollars, which has to be like $8,000 in <laughs> modern times. I'm always blown, blown away by the, the cost of things on these old commercials. Uh, we then we go back to Frank, uh, who's he's ringside, um, but he's not telling us about the wrestling yet. Now Frank is doing his own ad read uh, in a natural way, but his own ad read for the commercial that we just saw, saying that Tom also has whole room air conditioners. We then get a commercial for Rainier beer, which uh, is a, a brew apart, but I've never had one. This is a very local beer to the Pacific Northwest. Uh, so I, and Rainier so is the beer. ad. It's a premium beer bottle running through the, the, the nature of the Pacific Northwest. This is, uh, this is something. We go to the ring for our opener. We've got wrestling now. It's Jimmy Offey taking on King Parsons. A young Iceman King Parsons, which I had to check because, as we'll see here on the show, there are names that you get excited about when you yes. hear them, and then they end up not being those guys. Along those lines, as this match is starting, uh, our announcer, Frank, tells us that the Destroyer will be on this week. But so excited. The Destroyer was unmasked a couple times during the week prior but we'll keep wrestling. And then he says that when the destroyer was unmasked, that he had an Afro and a mustache and was named David Sierra. I was immediately confused. And I, uh, I then uh, had to go take it to the uh, internets and uh, we'll talk about it when we get to the match later. Uh, but yeah, I was just as confused as you were hearing uh, Frank Bonneman, who at this point in this match is just having a solo podcast. He's oh, he's, he's inventing a podcast here. It's 100% a solo podcast. Uh, I, I'm, by the way, the only thing that shocked me about this show was that we did not have was it Bart Wayne as the, the fake tiger mask. It's the, only, not, thing, yeah. it's the only thing we're, uh, uh, we're missing here. Frank is also talking how we have it's a good crowd tonight. It's not a great crowd. It's not like it was last Tuesday. He even says that, but we have a good crowd here. But he makes sure to point out that we have a sellout coming up in uh, in Eugene, Oregon. He does a good job of catching you up on what's been going on around the territory. He tells you about this whole destroyer angle. Um, the match that's happening in the background here is just a basic opener. Um, the highlight being the facial expressions of King Parsons. Yes. Uh, just a lot of holds, uh, bear hug spots, headlocks, full Nelsons. This uh, is the most basic wrestling territory of anything that we've seen yet. Because when we see like even WWF, like, you know, punch, kick, choke, that sort of thing, that's more of a choice. Whereas here, everybody seems to have been trained on the same three moves. It's all bear hugs. 
hip tosses, arm drags, uh, a, a disturbing amount of side headlock takeovers throughout this two hours of professional wrestling. Uh, there is not much to write home about from an in-ring standpoint, certainly here in the opener, other than, like you said, proto Iceman King Parsons doing cool facial expressions. They both miss splashes, and the time limit expires. This is a draw. We get handshakes after the match, but Afi gives Parsons a literal kick in the ass as he's walking away. He says he's just kidding. They do some low fives, and then Afi walks away, and he gets a kick in the ass on his way out from Parsons. This, this post-match was as low intensity uh, as the match, but it was actually amusing. Now, there's some, some again, some ridiculous stuff on commentary. We find out that the Continental lover, Eddie Mansfield, was in a hair-versus-hair hair match with Steve Regal, not that Steve Regal, the, the AWA Steve Regal, uh, and got his head shaved. Uh, Frank is also exasperated, uh, talking about Buddy Rose, uh, he says, mean Matt Masters is coming to Portland. He also tells us that someone from Europe is coming from Portland, but we don't ever hear who they are. He talks about uh, Jimmy Afi being a semi-main eventer. He also gets really distracted talking about crowd arrival times and whether wrestling shows should start at 7.30, 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. Uh, it is just total stream of consciousness. The only thing to write home about from an in-ring standpoint is, you guessed it, Iceman King Parsons misses the standing baby face splash. We then get a rundown of the loop, which is LeGrand, Redmond, Albany, Oregon, Seattle, Eugene, and Portland. Thursday is the only day off on this loop. Keep More that on in that mind. later. More on More, that later. This rundown, it is the most rudimentary Rundown, it, it just looks like it's on this little board uh, with a black background, white letters. Um, this is this is very lo-fi here in 1981 in Portland. Alan Tonkin from Marv Tonkin Ford is back. Uh, he tells you to push, pull, or drag your car in for a trade-in. You can get a new Ford Escort for $8,121 in early 1980s money. Uh which a, is insane because I remember paying like $5,000 for a Ford Escort as my first car. Like, and it was 8000 back then. That's like a $40,000 car now. And the low interest rate of 17%. <laughs> it's the uh, early 80s in the United States of America, people. Uh, we get a commercial for TriFlow lubricant spray. We see uh, people changing a tire, fixing a door to a phone booth, things that you uh, don't see anymore. <laughs> no. A commercial very much of its time. Then we go from that, from lubricant commercial to this is what we hear and see on the screen. Exotic, erotic, electric, hypnotic. Bo Derek stars in Tarzan the Ape Man out in theaters now. Rated R. Tarzan the Ape Man. It sounds like it should be. <laughs> they run down the loop again. And there's a correction on the board. They are not, in fact, off on Thursday. They're going to be in Salem, Oregon on Thursday. So no days off on the loop. We're going all seven days. Yeah, and they they are, uh, Frank is back here with Dutch Savage. Uh, they go through the entire loop in more detail. They also talk about Elton Owen, or Owens, as they say here. And I believe, wasn't there a, a Portland wrestling uh, tells from the territories, or am I making that up? Because I feel no, like I read is and one. heard. There is yes. one. Yes, mm -hmm. that is definitely where there's a companion to this. If you have not seen the tales from the territories uh, on Portland wrestling, they go into more detail on 
Don Owen and Elton Owen and the difference between them, sort of the good cop, bad cop, and in promoting different cities in the loop. Tom Peterson's selling a very 70s colonial sofa and love seat set. <laughs> oh my God. Like this, yes. This could you imagine walking in? Like if you walked into someone's house now and saw this, you would assume that they had been dead for 40 years <laughs> and no one had touched the house since. I remember as a child when uh my family when we finally when when my parents bought a house we lived in apartments and they bought a house and i remember went in it was a fixer-upper and that's what like that was what the the motif was i remember there was a like a, a the kitchen was painted green like sure. olive green there was a couch that looked like that i just remember like looking at my mom like what are we doing but it ended up all working out uh we get Tiger's Milk Nutrition Bar, and Kane Mutiny Movie is going to be the uh, movie of the week on Sunday. We go to the ring. Tim Anderson is but taking... You left, out the, you left out the best part from the loop. After uh, we, we hear about the mistake, and you know, we don't have a day off, damn it, we run seven days a week. This ends with Dutch Savage telling Frank that he has to leave to go see his relative Donna, and he just walks away. So odd. Tiny Anderson is in the ring to take on Hacksaw Brett Sawyer, the brother of Buzz Sawyer. I love the jobber look on Tiny Anderson. He's got short trunk, quick fashion corner. He's got short trunks and then the full top with like yes. the two strap singlet. The tremendous look. It's like a he's like a Tiny Anderson version of uh uh, of uh, King Kong Bundy a little bit with the gear here. Uh, he but, also, he, but Bundy had like regular straps. This yes. is like the the one that comes up to like oh, the yes, top, yes. Your top of your chest is covered. It's like the full body shirt. <laughs> it's like a tank top. It's like a skin tight tank top rather than a single. Now that's a, that's a good catch. Uh, this man, Tiny Anderson, not Tiny. Like I cannot <laughs> fathom this guy that his first name is not Frank. He looks like he works at a gas station and his name is Frank. He is also my new favorite professional wrestler of all time. His stalling and his selling when the fans start chanting, whale on a beach, whale on, well on a beach. He, it's like it physically pains him. Like there's some sort of like uh, EMP weapon pulsing in his ears as he sells on the floor and these children are laughing. The few children there in the crowd because the majority of this crowd is like 95 years old. Oh, yeah. uh, but he he's, is he is amazing. He's throwing a tantrum outside. He takes a seat at ringside. He's complaining to the other yes. people at ringside. This was great. This was this was the most entertaining stalling I've seen in a long oh. time. It, it's an absolute travesty that this man did not have Larry Zabisco's career. He is an exponentially <laughs> better Larry. Like I want on like an episode of Nitro from 1998. The first hour comes up and we see Tony Schiavone. And we see Tiny Anderson, and we hear the whole crowd chanting, Tiny, Tiny, and he has to salute them. My God, this man is great. Yeah, it was nothing but arm drags and stalling, but the crowd is having so much fun yelling at Anderson. I'm having fun watching Anderson react to the crowd. Sawyer ties Anderson's leg in the rope and starts laying in kicks to the down Tiny Anderson. 
We should mention Sawyer looks like the lost fantastic is the best way to describe him. He looks like he's like the third or fourth member of the fantastics. He they doesn't look I'm like a member of the Sawyer family like you think. No, and we, we've seen the two of them together before, mm -hmm. once before. Uh, it's also interesting. So he's he's Hacksaw, um, and then they, they say that Buzz Sawyer is Buzzsaw Sawyer. I was not aware that Buzz Sawyer was short for Buzzsaw Sawyer. I love it. Sawyer on offense, and Anderson has had enough. He ties Sawyer in the ropes and starts choking him and gets disqualified. <laughs> uh, by the way, I to me, uh, this this Sawyer looks about as much like a hacksaw as Shota Umino looks like a roughneck. I don't understand this nickname. At the desk, we get a photo of Art Cruz, who will be here in the near future. A photo. Don Owen, during the previous match, said, Big Husky Kansas lad Art Cruz will be here two nights from or two weeks from tonight. And then after the match, holds up an 8 by 10 before we kick into commercial again. Another Marv Tonkin commercial. Uh, we get a commercial for Olympia Beer. They're, they tell us it's in the water. And then we get an interview with Rip Oliver and Playboy Buddy Rose. Here's the Buddy Rose we've been talking about. Buddy uh, is looking for a new recruit to start his army. He says he wants a tag title match against the tag team champions of Steve Regal and Matt Bourne. He also wants a championship match against Regal, who's the also the champion of the territory as well. The Pacific Coast Championship. Regal has been avoiding him. He will win that Pacific Coast title. Uh, Matt Bourne has apparently challenged Rose. Uh, uh, they they recap the fact Rose can't stop mentioning that he's married to Bourne's sister, <laughs> and his his sister has filled him in on the private life of Matt Bourne. And uh, which, Matt if Bourne, you watched, if you watched the Dark Side of the Ring, there's a lot of information to be filled in on here. So apparently Matt Bourne is challenging him to a match where he's going to name the stipulation and the stipulation will be there to embarrass Buddy Rose. Yeah, at first uh, the way this is described, it sounds like it's just a loser leaves town match, but then they go into more detail and it's basically that Matt Bourne has come up with a stipulation that when Buddy Rose loses, he will be so embarrassed that he will choose to leave the territory. And the idea is that Matt Bourne has already picked this match, but he will not tell Buddy Rose what it is. Rose talks about Destroyer, and he says, uh, you outsmarted me by hitting me with a loaded mask. Again, he wants to know what the hell Matt Bourne is talking about with this stipulation. We go to a commercial where Tom Peterson has truckloads of inventory to sell. Uh, truckloads of inventory? He just returned from the Consumer Electronics Show in, in Chicago. Chicago, which I remember as a kid being uh, big into video games, uh, which I'm not anymore, but back then, like, the CES was the big video game convention that would take place. But here, I guess it was all about VHS recorders and things. Uh, there's some big set for $998 that they're selling. And as part of that, you get membership in the Tom Peterson video club. That's right. You get a camera and a recorder. These are two separate devices <laughs> <laughs> and then membership into Tom Peterson's video club. Uh, we then get a commercial for, uh, escape from New York is now playing with Kurt Russell. I'm a big Kurt Russell fan. So that's exciting. Uh, 
two out of three falls as we go back to the ring. But before we, we go back to the ring, though, we have Frank again doing another ad read for uh, for Tom here, talking that his video buy will be gone by this weekend. And then Frank also says that KYXY Radio has up-to-the-minute wrestling results on the weekend. So make sure to listen. This sounds like my dream city. Like, this, this show is just okay, but a radio station that gives me wrestling results? Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I, have some, I have something about that in my notes later. Uh, I get excited okay. again when I hear about it. Um, this is your main event. Two out of three falls. Playboy Buddy Rose and Rip Oliver taking on the team of The Destroyer and Steve Regal. So again, not that Steve Regal. This is the AWA Steve Regal. And not that Destroyer. This is David Sierra. This is the David Sierra version of The Destroyer. Oh, the uh, David Sierra version of the Destroyer. I'm trying to think what band you could compare that to. Uh, <laughs> is this? It's like the guy from American Idol, like with Queen. Is it's the Adam Lambert version of Queen? Is that what we have here? No, because uh, uh, Adam Lambert is a, a, a talented. Uh, That's uh, true. Performer. Yes. Uh, this would be uh, man. No, this 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 is. Uh, I'm trying to think. It, even a wrestling comp. Um, like someone who replaced another character. This is, is this fake like, Diesel, fake is, Razor Ramon. <laughs> is this fake Sin Cara? Fake, fake Sin Cara is a, a, a fake. Yeah, because he's he's you know this this destroyer, this David Sierra is actually competent, had a long career. Um, he, but uh, he uh, yeah he, the definition he's definitely of not a guy when held totally up with one of the greatest of all time, Dick Byer, the Destroyer. I don't. Yes. I do not think. This guy was best friends with Mike Tanay. I couldn't be wrong. No, no. <laughs> that is not... Cauliflower Alley did not honor this version of the Destroyer on a yearly basis. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, this... Uh, so this David Sierra um, version is not uh, not that Destroyer. So he Matt, also... But, but it's basically the Destroyer mask. But he looks hilarious because he's got this huge mustache... The mask is trying to hold on this curly afro that they talked about. And then he has the bushiest eyebrows you've ever seen exploding out of this mask. It is a look. Yeah, I had. Uh, yeah, so uh, he he wrestled under the name uh, Fidel Sierra a bunch of times. Uh, Cuban assassins oh a bunch of God. times. Oh, my God. This is that guy. This, I mean, this guy was even in WCW. He like was in WCW. Era as a job. Wow. I did not realize this was Fidel Sierra, the Cuban assassin. Yes, Sierra and Ricky Santana were unmasked uh, on a uh, Clash of the Champions uh, when they lost to the Nasty Boys. Um, Wow, I guess I could have worn my Nitro shirt. I could have worn a (laughs) WCW shirt and it would have been relevant. Damn. Yeah, so uh, again, he went on to have a long career, but... uh, not when you're when you're parachuting in, you're thinking destroyer, you're gonna get some dick buyer. That's not well, especially got. sort of the hive mind that this podcast has had lately in terms of getting destroyer, particularly on the bonus feed. Yeah, I thought, well, here you podcast. go. It's, I didn't even think of the fact that this could be a fake destroyer. Matt Bourne steps aside in this match so the destroyer can get a shot at Rose and Oliver. Um, so this was uh. Uh, Destroyer used to be part of uh, a group with Rose and all the army. Yes, and now he's uh, trying to get revenge here. So, uh, 
Rose spends the entire first fall trying to avoid the destroyer. He tags out. He runs away anytime destroyer gets in. It's a ton of stalling. We should note, though, this crowd is so much more into this than oh, anything this it, else yeah. on this show. Like, this might come across uh, through modern eyes and through non Portland Territory fan eyes. It's kind of slow and kind of lame, just a ton of stalling. But these fans were heavily, heavily invested in this. Yeah, and these are long stories that that have been going yes. on in with with Rose here and Matt Bourne and Destroyer and with, with generational characters. Matt Bourne's dad was was a star in Portland, if I'm not mistaken, like a big time star. We have referee Sandy Barr, whose yep. family goes back and goes for anything. Uh, uh, favorite of this podcast, and they say that tongue in cheek, Jesse Barr. Um, so like it, it, this is not only is it is it a big local thing, it's a generational thing both among the fans and the wrestlers and the promoters. Eventually, uh Destroyer gets in, Rose runs away again, uh punched to the stomach by Oliver, and they get the heat on Regal. Double team offense by Rose and Oliver. I was oh. trying to think of a way to defi- to to describe this Steve Regal to people who have never seen him. And visually. To me, he's like the tr- like he looks like the transition in the career of the, of the guy I'm about to mention of like from Thurman Sparky Plug to Bodacious Bob Holly. That is sort of what he looks like. Like he's tall but not too tall. He's in good shape but not too good a shape. And he's got this sort of blondish mullet. And he's just he's okay. He's yeah. kind of the 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 epitome of the pretty good baby face that's pushed as a much bigger star in a smaller territory than he would be in a smaller territory, but he's not bad. Like he's competent. He's a horrendous promo, which we'll see later, but he's, he's fine. He's no Lord Steven Regal. That's no, he's like a young Johnny Ace type of vibe uh, that I got from him. You know, who talk about Johnny. He also reminds me of from this same era, Johnny gun, Tom Brandy. They're very similar. Yeah. Good comp there. Um, so Oliver goes for the shoulder breaker on Regal, but Regal slips behind him and gets the pin. So Regal and destroy. So the heat was on Regal the entire time. He gets the flash pin here with a roll up, uh, and Regal and destroyer win the first fall. Rip Oliver, by the way, to me. And again, this is really, I haven't seen him many times. This is the most extended exposure I've had to him. He's just a guy. He had really nothing to say and didn't say it in a very interesting way in the promo. He is just like visually, he does not look that different from Buddy Rose other than he has a beard. They're in similar shape. But Buddy Rose is clearly the star of this act. Between falls, Rose gets a cheap shot in on the destroyer. And then they take the time to run down the loop one more time. Well, so this is the deal between falls. You think about two out of three falls matches, Lucha or, or, you know, uh, other matches, two out of three falls where it's like you get a very brief rest period, like 10, 30, maybe 60 seconds at most. And then we're right back into the next fall here. They do the fall. The wrestlers go to the back. They go to the locker room. They yeah. go to the locker room. We get a commercial break. We come back. We get more talking from Frank. We go to another commercial, and then they bring the wrestlers back to the ring from the locker room, and I have then they never do the next this. fall. It seems like, a from an athletic standpoint, this seems like a way to just invite injury. You're in there. <laughs> you're going for 15 minutes. You go back. You just cool your jets for 10 minutes, and then you come back and do it all over again. Just a really weird vibe. I've never seen another territory do I've never that seen this it. way. No, 
Never seen it either. Um, we go back to Al Tonkin, Tonkin Ford. He's uh, in studio, and he's looking like he's going to wrestle. And then a woman comes in and says, uh, and, and Tonkin looks at her and says, I don't want to hurt her, but she does a quick judo throw. And from the ground, Al Tonkin takes a call and says he's got to go. And uh, I believe that this was Princess Victoria, who uh, she was one of the roundtable participants in the uh, oh, in the right. Tales from the Territory about Portland. I had not, I did not put that together when I watched this. What I did put together, though, was a gif of this exact moment. If you follow us on social media, this is what you saw, alerting you to the fact that Portland 1981 was going to be the topic of this week's show. Again, you should be following us on all social media platforms, X, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Threads, Blue Sky. We're on all of them, at Wrestle at Random, and you can see that GIF. I feel like we should also be on uh, social media of the past. Obviously, there was no social media in uh, in 1981, but if we're doing a, you know, like a, a WWF show from 2005, we should be posting about this on LiveJournal. God. Blurdy, MySpace, come on. Frank Bonneman interviews Steve Regal. You mentioned he's a terrible promo. He tells us he's defending his title Friday in Eugene, and they run down the loop again. Again, this is all happening in between <laughs> the first and second fall. The wrestlers go to the back. We get a commercial break. We get a stand-up promo interview. And with, with one, one of, the, of guys, the participants. <laughs> one of the participants in the match. And then we uh, we go again to another commercial break. Tom Peterson has once again returned from the consumer electronics system, this time with a $500 sound system, consumer electronics show, I should say, $500 sound system rack. You can buy them individually, though, if necessary. And then we hit a commercial. That wait, wait, I was... wait, wait. Before you get to that commercial, I want to make mention about the stereo because I was salivating looking at the <laughs> stereo. Okay, for $500, okay? This is one of those late 70s, early 80s stereos that if you bought it for $500 in 1981, you would still own it today in 2024. These things were built to last. I I had one in the... You know, my, my parents had theirs from the 70s and it was gifted to me in the uh, early 90s and in late 80s and and that thing kept on keeping on those things were amazing we had not yet entered the planned obsolescence era of technology (laughs) and then we go to a pizza hut pan pizza commercial Okay, so I'm a Pizza Hut child. It was really the center of my universe in the mid to late 80s. Book It was really, I probably would not have yes. learned how to read. If We've it talked wasn't about Book It before Book on this podcast. Yes, very that, influential. Very influential in my life. And seeing here, and granted, I was born in 1981, but this is the vibe. This is the aesthetic. This is the fashion corner that you, you were taken to when you went into Pizza Hut. This commercial captured the feeling of being in a pizza in the 80s so deeply. Like I said, if we did not have Princess Victoria hitting a beautiful judo throw uh, on a a car salesman uh, immediately preceding this, this 100% would have been the gift for this week's show. No, they did nail it. Uh, Pizza Hut was a restaurant, and it was a big deal. My family, we never went to restaurants. So, like, it was a big deal when we would go to the Pizza Hut and we were going to sit down in the Pizza Hut. This was 
yeah, incredible. It, it totally captured the vibe. It's, I wanted to live inside of this commercial for the rest of my life. If, if this commercial looped for the rest of my life for 30 second intervals and I was in it experiencing the feelings that were conveyed through this, I would be a happy man. We are back for the second fall. <laughs> all of that happened. And now we're ready. All of that later. Like, I had convinced myself that we were not going to have to see any more of this match. And yet, in fact, I was wrong. All Regal and Destroyer to start the second fall. Well, before that, though, the second fall, before it starts, Frank is back. He's trying to give out a phone number for tickets. (laughs) He forgets it. He maybe gave out the wrong number and then panics and says, only call that after 3 (laughs) p.m. He talks about the concession stand at the flea market, but go later in the day when things calm down. The second fall begins, and he is still trying to remember this number and is still panicking that maybe he gave out the wrong one. Amazing. All Regal and Destroyer to start the second fall. Rose cuts Destroyer off with a knee to the back from the apron. We get a one-arm atomic drop by Rose. That was very unique looking. It was very unique looking, and we also got one of my favorite things, which we talk about on the podcast all the time. Local wrestling announcers bluffing their way through moves that they don't know the names of. This one-arm atomic drop, uh, Frank calls a sit-out backbreaker. Which I'm trying in my mind's eye to imagine what a sit-out backbreaker would look like. And I, I guarantee you it would not be an atomic drop. Uh, although maybe Roderick Strong should use this as his new finisher and call it a sit-out backbreaker. We then hear again <laughs> about the wrestling radio show that you talked about earlier. Yes. So there's a, apparently there's a Portland radio show that recaps what happened on the loop. And it's like sports talk radio before sports talk radio was really yes. a big thing. This is 1981. This is a crazy innovation for Portland at the time. I want to, I want to talk to Jim Valley about like, because I know he was someone who'd been, who yes. would have been listening to that uh, religiously. Oh, 100%. I was a radio kid growing up. One of my greatest memories was like as an 11-year-old tuning the dial and getting crackling out of Cleveland. I believe it was WTAM. They carried Mike Tanay's Wrestling Insiders show. So I was, yeah, I'm sure I would have enjoyed this. They continue working the back of the Destroyer. Uh, we get a fun move where Destroyer's laying on his back across the top turnbuckles in the corner, and Buddy Rose from his back is on the mat, and he keeps kicking him in the back, and Destroyer keeps bouncing up and down on the turnbuckle over and over again. I don't it think I've was, ever seen that move. It was tremendous, and it also stood out because this in-ring action, other than this, was horrendously boring. Like I cannot, My notes say, I cannot accurately describe just how boring this action is. Uh, but again, we are... It's tempered by Frank just doing Frank things. Uh, He's talking about how Don Owen is encouraged by the sponsors to bring the main main events onto television. Uh, You don't hear that. You don't get that from most other promoters, but our sponsors bring them to you. We see Destroyer gets kicked over the top to the floor, and he hits his lower back on the apron on the way down. Destroyer hits a desperation double noggin knocker he teases the tag but gets cut off again we're 20 minutes 20 minutes into this match it feels every bit of it uh we also had frank randomly talking about floor director alex alejandro sierra and wondering if he's related to the destroyer david sierra he also riffs about 
fans throwing things in the ring, saying you're an idiot to do it. And worse yet, you almost always hit the wrong guy and basically says you're going to cause the baby face to lose. Stop doing this. Destroyer reverses and hits an atomic drop to make the hot tag to Regal. Regal runs wild on both guys. And then out of nowhere, they catch him and hit a spiked shoulder breaker, and Rip Oliver gets the pin to win the second fall. Yeah, the spiked shoulder breaker was great. It's, this is such a weird match because 95% of this is just the most boring offense you've ever seen. Like I said, everything in this territory is hip toss, side headlock takeover, arm drag, that's all it is. But then you get stuff like that cool double team in the corner or this spiked shoulder breaker out of nowhere. So the first fall was regal like it was the baby face is getting dominated and regal with a flash pin gets the win here the baby faces are dominated and then uh and then they actually get the win in the second fall so we it, it's been a showcase for uh rose and oliver here yes 100 percent. more tonkin ford commercials we get a midas muffler commercial and then one half of the tag team champions, Matt Bourne, is interviewed between the second and third fall of this match. He teases the stipulation that will embarrass Buddy Rose, but he's going to make him and all of us wait a little longer to find out what it is. He's not a great promo, at least here, for a guy who's the, you know, the top star, top baby face in the company. He's not a great promo. I'm also offended as I realize that we're watching Portland TV. I see Matt Bourne, the future Big Josh, and I am realizing. We are not going to get a northern exposure here in the Pacific Northwest. This is this is a travesty. Princess Victoria takes down L. Tonkin again. I could watch this all day. <laughs> a different takedown, though. This is a different thing. She says he should stick to selling cars. And then Buddy Rose and Matt Bourne's sister walk in and make fun of L. Tonkin and leave. This is tremendous. This was great. I loved this. And then the third fall starts. Again, the guys went to the back and are now exhausted coming back to the ring here for the third fall. The third fall starts with Rose working on the arm and shoulder of Regal after that spiked shoulder breaker. Regal tags in Destroyer, and he finally gets his hands on Rose here in the third fall. Destroyer misses a second rope knee drop attempt. Rose posts the knee of Destroyer, and then Rose puts on a half crab, and the Destroyer submits. Rose and Oliver are your winners. They beat the crap out of these baby faces the entire time. They win. They double-team Regal until after the match until Matt Bourne hits the ring to make the save. Kids swarm the ringside area. Rush the ring for autographs in the middle of this like blood-feud hatred. Kids are like, I got to get an autograph from Matt Bourne. They help the Destroyer to the back. And then we get a Rose promo where he demands a title match next Saturday. He said the tag team titles. Uh, he wants a shot at the tag team titles after that victory right there. Bourne and Regal come over again. They're the tag team champions. Uh, Bourne says, you got it. You, you can have the title match. Uh, Rose was hilarious because he says, I thought the people were behind me. And everyone boos <laughs> loudly. Uh, they are, they, Rose vows to win the titles next Saturday. What is very clear here is that Buddy Rose is carrying this feud. Matt Bourne is, he's a fun in-ring wrestler. He's a not very good promo. You know, he's got the, you know, the family history and the territory. That's a big part of why he's the guy. But Buddy Rose is the guy making this interesting. 
So that's the end of the show. I did have to look up what the stipulation was. <laughs> yes, tell me. Tell so us. apparently it, the stipulation is loser has one of three choices. Oh boy, dealer's choice. Uh, you can have your head shaved. You can leave town. Or loser has to let the winner manage them for one year. For a year? Wow. Yes. So what, what ended up happening? I didn't get that far in my research. So if you know what happened, if you if you can fill us in on how the rest of this played out, make sure you send us a message on uh, the social media platforms oh, we mentioned earlier at Russell Better Brandon. yet, don't send us a message on social media. Become a supporter. Become a patron. Uh, join the Intentionalizer tier and pick that show if you can find it. There's tape of it where they have that match. Uh, or maybe the TV following up on that that explains what happened. Uh, it's got to be out there. Uh, you can do that. You can support the show via our Patreon, patreon.com slash wrestling at random. That's where we do a bonus episode every single week. So uh, it's something you haven't heard before. If you've just been listening to the free feed, you've got an entire back catalog, five full seasons of free episodes. It's all evergreen content. It's all new to you. But if you've gone through all that, you're like, I've heard all those episodes. Well, there's 150 plus more episodes at the time of this recording over on the bonus feed. Those you haven't heard. Those are all exclusive to our Patreon supporters. Uh, again, patreon.com slash wrestling at random. We also have a tier where you can be the randomizer. You can choose a show for us to watch. Uh, we've watched a ton of uh, shows, curated lists, all kinds of fun stuff over on the bonus feed. And uh, yeah, make sure that uh, if you... Uh, if, if you can't support the show in these times financially, that's okay too. Uh, make sure you tell your wrestling fan friends about the show. Uh, wrestling fans, no other wrestling fans. So make sure you're telling them about the show. Have them take a fun trip down memory lane with us. And with that, we're going to wrap it up. We're going to call it a podcast. Our first trip to Portland, Adam. Uh, let's let's go through your uh, favorite thing on this show. Ooh, I mean, the commercials. Uh, without a doubt, it's the Pizza Hut commercial. Um, if I have to say not the commercials, I would just say the performance of Buddy Rose, both in ring and particularly uh, uh, in the promos. This was a very dry show from an in ring standpoint. He stood out the most. And then honorable mention, even though he wasn't good, he was highly entertaining. Uh, our host, Frank Donovan, Frank Bonovan. What was his name again? Uh, yes, it was uh, Frank, uh, Frank Bonovan. Frank Bonneman, he was just delightful, uh, including the where they, they went back to him and he didn't realize that he was still on camera before the break and he took a, a nice long drink of his 7-Up cup, whatever was in there. Uh, just a, a really funny guy. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, Buddy Rose, obviously the star of the show. I think, uh, you know, honorable mention to the facial expressions of a young King Parsons. Uh, did yes, that good highly. call. Uh, worst thing on this show, a lot to choose from. Oh man, I would just for me it's like it's more of a macro thing. It's the in-ring style. It was just mind-numbing. Very basic and everyone did the same things. Um but really to me the worst thing on the show is being promised the destroyer and Steve Regal and instead getting David Sierra uh and that Steve Regal. Yeah, I think I think that you know the this show being, you know, I it, I don't know if this is like a weekly show that I, you know, I, I don't know if this is an outlier or if this is just like the format of the show, but it needed Roddy Piper. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was slow going. Like, uh, and not just like 
we've seen plenty of shows from 1981 from different territories like and just the i don't know if it's just because it was so many local sponsorship stops you could never get a good flow going of like a wrestling show uh it was just so many ads um but yeah it's a uh and maybe it's a different you know it's all it's all about selling the loop and and going to the live shows is a completely different experience um but yeah this was uh not my favorite territory i'd say i would agree with that to me it's one of those where it's like if you grew up and this is the only wrestling you saw, you probably thought it was great. And then once you got exposed to other wrestling, you're like, oh, oh, I don't know about this. You start getting Florida tapes. You start getting Georgia tapes or Crockett or Mid-South or Memphis. Uh, this this was not at that level at all. Again, no, you know, saying that with the knowledge that there were times, particularly when Roddy Piper was there, where I'm sure uh, it was more of an electric show. But yeah, this... This did not pass the if this was the first time I had seen wrestling as a child, would I keep watching tests, which is always I think where we're both at uh, on these territories from this era. But that's the thing with the randomizer. You yes. never know where it's going to drive you. It giveth and it taketh away. But uh, we got to see some Portland wrestling. Always great to experience another territory that we were unfamiliar with. A blind spot has been uh, checked off the list. So always Definitely. a great time. And with that, we're going to call it a podcast. Adam, thank you for joining us. Yes. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Randomizer. I guess I feel like we're going to need something next week. Hopefully the Randomizer will give us something that's got a bit more life to it. I say that then I'm sure we're going to get like a Vince Russo Nitro from 2000 or something. Uh, but something that just jumps off the page a little bit more than this one did would be nice. And a reminder, if you like to consume your podcast via YouTube, don't forget to give the YouTube channel a like and subscribe over there. Search for Wrestling at Random Podcast on YouTube. It'll take you right there. Or go to our website, WrestlingAtRandom.com. All the links that I described are all there. And with that, we're calling it a podcast. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you again 